Bill already took all the energy out of the room by, by making you say good morning twice. Um, I'm not going to do that, but good morning to you. I'll say it to you guys this morning. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Nick Schroeder, and like Bill said, I'm the student pastor here over at One Student Ministry. Um, Jason and Julie and the kids are, are out on vacation this weekend, and um, they're taking in the sights of, of the wonderful Arkansas nature. They're, I believe that they're up at Petty Jean um, taking that in for the weekend. So they, they lucked out for part of it, and then the other part, they, they saw the bipolar nature of the Arkansas weather with the storms. So um, I think that they're surviving now. Um, but Jason asked me a, a couple weeks ago, uh, probably about a month or so ago, if I minded filling in this morning because they had, had planned on taking the kids out, um, getting away for a weekend. I said, uh, yeah, sure. Um, what do you want me to teach on? And um, he said, well, we're wrapping up Haggai, and I'm starting a new series when I get back, so um, you, you basically can teach on whatever you want, which is kind of dangerous to tell a youth pastor that um, because you just... If I teach here like I teach over on Wednesdays, it would look a little different. But uh, um, what, what I do want to make sure that uh, we do is we want to bring God's Word this morning. And we do that on Wednesday nights, too. Um, it's not just a big party with teens. It's, it, it is uh, scriptural. Um, so as I was thinking and praying about what, what this morning would look like, um, I, I, I had a conversation that I had this summer kept coming back to mind. And as I was thinking about this conversation that I had with this gentleman, um, I, I started reflecting back and reading the, the scripture um, through, through a couple different ones. And um, so that's what I, I decided to teach on, a conversation. Um, to kind of set the stage for this conversation, though, um, every summer for the past six summers, we have taken uh, a, a big group of our youth and our adults up to Pine Ridge Indian Reservation up in South Dakota, and each year that we go, um, I, I start off the year with with a prayer, to uh, so a prayer that God will move in a big way among our teens, among our adults, among the Lakota people that we work with. And not one year have I been disappointed of of how God has shown up, and how He's worked through our teens. We've seen everything from Students come that we would have never expected to come. Um, we've seen lives flipped upside down. We've seen adults just dive into other ministries when they came back. And so it's been encouraging for me to uh, watch, watch these develop over the past six years. And um, this year was no different. As I was praying that uh, God show up in a big way, he did. Um, we had two of our students that were baptized we have several others that have came back and, and had, have inquired about being baptized. Um, we have just countless stories of, of different conversations that have been had over the years and the influence that those conversations, not just in Pine Ridge, but among their peers, among our peers, among our adults, and how that's impacted their lives. So that's been encouraging. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar with Pine Ridge, Pine Ridge is one of the poorest communities in the nation, um, just absolute poverty. And what you encounter when, when you go up there is you see a lot of destitution. And the best way that I could describe it to those that haven't been 
it's as close to a third world country environment as you'll get without leaving the United States. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, and this trip stretches you, whether you're an adult or a student, because you see things um, that you wouldn't experience necessarily every day here. Um, you actually would have to go search these kind of things out around here where up there it's, it's just part of the culture. Um, most of their, their homes are FEMA trailers, salvaged FEMA trailers. So they're already in disrepair when they get them, and then they have to live in them over the year. Many of them don't have running water or electricity. Um, outhouses are common. And uh, for, for us that went the first year and for those first-timers that have gone, that's, that's kind of shocking when you have to go use an outhouse. Um, and besides the extreme poverty, there's also rampant alcoholism and rampant drug addiction. And uh, some of the statistics, if you were to go out and look at, uh, at them out on the websites, they're pretty staggering. Um, fetal alcohol syndrome is, I think, four times the national average. Teen suicide is four times the national average. So just this, there's a, a cloud of hopelessness that exists on this reservation. One of the things over the last three years that I've, I've got to do, excuse me, one of the things that I've, that I've had the wonderful pleasure of doing is traveling from site to site and meeting families, <clears throat> sorry, meeting families, meeting um, kids that are growing up in this environment. But the joy of that has been watching how our students and our adults interact. They see a person before they see a problem. And as, as we go, we get to have those conversations year in and year out. And what these conversations do is it, it, it starts a, a movement among our, our students specifically. Because when they get back, <clears throat> they start looking for opportunities to go out and serve. And as they look for opportunities to go out and serve, they bring their, their friends in to go out and serve alongside of them. And so that's encouraging for me, one, as a father, two, as a student pastor, and three, as a member here. Watching our students take a charge on that, that they can own, but also that adults can, can come alongside with and, and, and foster that, that mentality of going out and serving. Each year, or for the past three years as I've gone out to the different sites, I've got to have conversations also with some of the family members. And those, those conversations with the family members can, can be just as impactful because you get to hear their side of the story. You get to hear their heart. And for, for the Lakota, they are, are very, they, they pass tradition down through stories. And listening to their stories of, of how, not just their, their creation story is, is pretty amazing and, and how they became a tribe is amazing, but hearing how they pour into the next generation and try to, try to bring up and out of that poverty mentality, out of that, 
drug addiction and alcoholism. And so each year I get to have those conversations. And each year when we go back, we try to visit some of those families that, that we've met in the past. And, and it's so interesting because they don't forget a face. Um, one of the families that, I, that we worked on the first year or the second year we went, went back two years ago and, and saw them at their home. And, and it was like we never left. It was like a day had passed and we were back because they invited us into their home, uh, gave us pizza and grape uh, Fanta, um, which was actually quite refreshing because it was hot that year. Um, but it was, it was that kind of hospitality that, that they have in their culture. And it's so amazing because that's what God's called us to do, to have that same hospitality, that same mentality that, that we have in our culture. So this year, as, um, as, as I went about doing the things that I'd done in the past, um, going around from site to site, um, one of the sites I actually had to take a team out to uh, because it was out of the way of the bus and um, it, it was just easier for me to take them in a vehicle rather than diverting a bus around about four or five miles. And so I, I, I dropped the team off on the first day at this man's house. His name is Bobby. And I didn't meet him the first day. We went around to different sites. Uh, or I went around to different sites and checked on them, made sure they had water and, and food, talked to some of the other family members. And uh, went back later that afternoon, met Bobby. He was there. And so I had a chance to just introduce myself to Bobby. And one of the first things he said is, it already looks so much better. His home, and he was talking to his home, uh, talking about his home, not to his home. Um, and so you could already sense a, a sense of pride that, that was welling up in Bobby about the work that was being done. And uh, so dropped them off, took them uh, the next day, and just said hi to Bobby. I had to go around to some other places um, and came back, talked to Bobby a little bit more. So each day I, I tried to talk a little bit more with Bobby. And uh, the last day we were there, uh, Bobby was outside on his porch. And if, if you can just imagine um, the, the plains, the tall grass, horses out in the back, um, looks kind of like, well, it is in the country, but um, it looks like a, a scene that, that you would find in a movie. And uh, so Bobby's sitting out there on his front porch, just kind of gazing off out into nowhere. And so I went up to Bobby and, and started talking to him. And I, I shared that I had uh, four sons, and, and uh, three of mine were on this trip again this year. And so he started sharing with me a little bit about his family. Um, he shared with me that his children were adults. Um, he, he was an older gentleman, is an older gentleman. And he began to tell me about how proud he was of his children and how they had fought to... Uh, uh, how, how they had fought against the odds of becoming just another statistic in the system. And, and as he was talking about this, you could just see the brokenness that still remained. Because even though his kids had, had fought to get out of the system, there were others that were stuck in it. Uh, Bobby went on to tell me about his son and how he had graduated and fulfilled a goal of his, 
um, to be a police officer. So for several years, his son was a police officer. Um, but then he told me that his son, his son's health had begun to fail and eventually um, passed away due to his failing health and complications. Um, and I, I would suspect his son was probably about my age. He then told me about his daughter and how she lived close enough now that he could see his grandkids all the time. And in fact, uh, uh, they were running around. We showed a video a couple weeks ago um, from South Dakota, and the kids that you saw in that were the two, his grandkids. Um, and they, they were full of it, too. Um, um, they didn't seem really to have a care in the world. It's like it, it would be just like any of our kids, small children, running around here, playing, having a great time. And... Bobby goes on to tell me that from the time his kids were born, he wanted to make sure to raise them in a way that before they saw skin color, gender, or any other differences, that they saw a person created in God's image. He wanted them first, <clears throat> first and foremost to see Jesus. And if there was a need that that person had, he wanted his kids to meet the need before, he before they judged. And then he said something to the effect of, we've all been the least of these, and Jesus met our biggest need. And what I began to realize is that Bobby had been intentional in his efforts to pour into his kids. He had been... Um, he, had, he had raised them with an understanding of the gospel. And whether, whether or not they followed that all their lives was, was not for him to account. What his account was is that he did what he thought he should do by raising them in the word. And he wanted his children to live it out as outlined through scripture. And, and as, he was, as he was quoting this, um, he was referencing back to Matthew 25. And so if you would, we're going to turn over to Matthew 25. And if you would stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word, we'll start in verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the, found, from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, 
as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Father, as we approach your word this morning, we ask that uh, you just move among us, that you remind us that we're called to be image bearers of Christ. And Father, as we examine your word, Lord, we ask that, that you just instill in us your gospel. Remind us that we are forgiven much and that we have a great reward awaiting. Father, we love you, we praise you, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as I was reflecting on, on this passage, um, and Bobby and I had gone on to talk about other, other parts of this passage and how he had raised his kids um, to, to live this out, um, when I was looking back at it, it first it reminded me that that there's no surprise that there's going to be a final judgment, that we will one day stand before the throne and and we will be examined. But I was also reminded that every day, if if we call ourselves a believer, we're examined. The world looks at us and looks for our flaws, looks for our hypocrisy, and. I'll be the first one to admit I'm, I'm hypocritical at times. And I try not to be, but there are times that with no excuse, I am. But this morning, I'm not going to be focusing necessarily on the end, but the means to the end. And, and I, I'm not going to get bogged down in, in the weeds about works versus faith, because I think that we could examine for ourselves scripture that points to what we're called to do. But this judgment that is coming will be for all nations. It will be for all people. And so as I recalled this conversation with Bobby, and his, his full name is Bobby Redfeather. So as I recalled this, this conversation with Bobby and read and reread this, what I began to see is that if we say we're in Christ, and that we follow him, then we're to live our lives as such. There's this thought in this particular passage that it's just referencing believers, which I would, which I would probably agree with. However, throughout scripture, it's not just the believers that, that aren't to be judged by us. It's all people that aren't to be judged. And when I, when I was looking through this and just praying praying through this specific scripture, uh, specific scripture for God to just show me what it is that I was to be teaching on. I was reminded that our lifestyle and habits should reflect the price that was paid on the cross. And we see the implications of this already in this passage. 
And I believe it's important to point out that that these two groups, there's two groups here. And among these two groups are the sheep and the goats. And I'll just use that terminology for the sake of the scripture. And on one side, we have the sheep that when, when told by the king that, that, that the need was met, they asked, well, when did we see you in need? Their lifestyle, their, ha- their, their life had reflected a lifestyle of intentionality. They had had done this because it had been ingrained in them. It had been instilled in them. So they didn't have to look for Jesus to meet a need. They saw Jesus already. They saw people in need and met the need. And then to the other group, when the king said that they had not met the needs, that the same question came up. Lord, when did we see you in need? And then they were reminded that you were... You were only looking for me to meet a need. You weren't looking at what I've called you to do. And so both of these groups had the habit of meeting the needs. Their, their lifestyle had reflected both sides. For one, it was an intentional looking for a need to be met. And for the other side, it was ignoring unless it gained them a reward. And so Bobby intentionally ingrained in his children that principle of meeting the need, seeing the image of Christ and meeting the need, so much so that it, it hopefully it became second nature. And we can look around in our society today and see that, of those that, that meet the need because there's a need and those that ignore the need because they don't want to meet it. And, and the beauty about not just going to South Dakota, but the beauty about working with our students is we, I get to see that already. I get to see where there's a need. Uh, among the students where there's a need, our students are eager to fill that need. And not just because they're going to get something, but because they see the need. And I see that in our church, too. Um, over the past couple of years, when we've had needs to be filled, you all have stepped up and filled those needs. And, and for somebody that, that gets to see these things, I don't think that we're encouraged in that enough because almost every time there's been a need, whether it's been a Sunday school teacher or adult leader, somebody to make copies, the need has never not been filled here. And I'm not trying to put you all on a pedestal because I know that we're all at fault in some areas, that we all falter in some areas, but it's just encouraging for me um, and and an I believe for for our elders and for Jason, too, to see that, to see those needs being met. J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, points out that it's not the one way, it's not that one way of acting was meritorious while the other was not, but that these actions, but from these actions, it could be seen whether there was love to Christ, the love that springs from faith in the heart. And how true is that when, when those needs are being looked at? Um, what and how we pour out our life is an exhibit of our faith. I'll be the first to admit that, that at times my outpouring can be selfish, looking for gain. Um, I can be boastful at times. Hey, look at me, I did this. But it's something that I also know that God's working on my heart about. 
and has been for a long time. Um, my conversation with Bobby was a huge testimony in, in God's faithfulness to his, his restoring promise. That, that when we come to that, that final judgment, and, and my, that's been one of my prayers, is that, that we be found on the side of the sheep and not on the side of the goats. This same man, Bobby, the same man that had taught his kids to meet the needs of others, the least of these, lived in a home, lived in a home that had no running water, no electricity, an outhouse. And that's, that's just the, the big things that we know about. But one, our team that was there was replacing an entire floor in his home, um, in, in one room, completely gone. And in another room, they were replacing flooring um, and, and putting up paneling so that the insulation wasn't exposed. In his home, the, the walls were covered with soot from the stove that kept him warm in the winter. And, and, I, and I tell you this because as, as Bobby and I were talking, he, he pointed about 150 yards up the road and said, that's where my daughter lives now. And, her grand, and, and my grandkids. And he, he went on to say, that used to be my home. But when they moved back, they needed a suitable place to stay. Some place that didn't have rotted floors. Place that had electricity and, and water. Place that didn't leak when it rained. He said, so I gave them my home and I moved back here. Because I'm okay back here. And I don't know about you, but for, for all intents and purposes, when I, when I looked at Bobby's home, just out of judgment, the first thing I said was, this is the least of these. But what, what Bobby showed me was that he wasn't. He had given up more than I could have fathomed giving up. He gave up a home to move into some place that... Most of us wouldn't live in because it was how he met that need. The sheep didn't question what it was that they should do. They did it because it was their nature. The goat's response seemed to be one of surprise as if to say, King, when did we see you in need? If we would have seen you in need, we would have absolutely gone out of our way to meet that need because they only had the reward at the end in mind and not the reward at current in mind. It's like a kid that, and, and I've got four of them, so I've seen this often, but it's like a, a child that is asked to do a task and, and, and doesn't do it, so you ask another one. And at the end of that task, you give them a piece of candy. And, that, and then the kid that declined to do the task said, well, I would have done it. I would have done it if you would have just... If I would have known that I was going to get something at the end. I often don't do because I don't see the reward immediately. And quite honestly, at times, I can be skeptical. I am skeptical of, of when people need something. I think it was John Piper that said, I can give anyone $3. And he said, I keep $3 in my pocket 
If somebody asks for money, I can afford to give them $3. And he does that. Throughout this scripture and throughout uh, studying for this, I, I was reminded of two other passages. Um, the first being in, in Luke 10, when, when Jesus is uh, talking with the Pharisees. And starting in, in verse 25, it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit the eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer, he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And, and at the end of, of this parable, as he's, as he's talking about the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, at the end of this, Jesus says, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go do likewise. And then over in Mark chapter 12, uh, a similar, a similar uh, discourse in, uh, in verse 28, it says, and, um, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is here, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so uh, I had to ask myself, in light of this verse in Matthew, how often have I tried to rationalize who deserves and who doesn't? How often have I judged someone without first knowing them? Because here we're, we're commanded to love our neighbor. We're commanded to go and do likewise. And in Matthew it says, then the king will say, come inherit the kingdom. There was a, uh, in one of the commentaries I was reading, it said, true love for the Savior begets love for all those united to him by faith. And as, as I look back and, and just in my short time on this earth, look back and examine my life, has it been a life of faith? Have I lived out my faith in a way that others see that, that others would be curious about why I believe what I do. And then the other question that I had to ask myself is, am I a torchbearer of the gospel? Do I live it out in a way that I reflect the love that Jesus had for me, has for me? In Ephesians 5, 1 through, uh, in, in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, 
says, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We're reminded that 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 same love that Christ has for us doesn't go away. And it, it, it extends to all people, regardless of need, desire, or want. Um, recently, I also challenged a, a, I challenged a group of our middle school students to take one week, and every day during that one week, read Romans 12, 9 through 18 which is the marks of a Christian. And I, I did the same throughout that week. And at the, at, when we came back that next week, I asked them, I said, how often, um, how, how well did you do? And most of them said, well, I, I forgot. But I did read it the first two days, and then I got busy. But then the follow-up question to that was, did it make a difference? And they said, yes. And the reason why I had them read this scripture every day for a week is because that particular Wednesday in our small group, we were talking about um, how to, to um, live out our faith. And almost all of them admitted to recently not uh, being kind to one another, not loving one another, talking bad about others. And when I asked them what kind of difference it made, almost all of them said, I had a hard time looking at that person as an enemy. And, and what we do know is, what I, I'm, I, what I understand is that if, if I don't stay in the practice of those constant reminders, then it's easy for me to fall out of practice. It's easy for me to get wrapped up in my own life and not look outwardly as Scripture calls us to. And so it's our responsibility to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we don't have to go to South Dakota to do that. We have plenty of needs that, that are being met within our own congregation. Um, one of my favorite times of the week is on Wednesday mornings when we gather together in this room as a group of men and pray over the needs of our church, of, of you who send those prayer requests in. Because what I know is that if I ever need something, I have a family here that I can ask. And actually, I don't even have to ask because most of the time, you all encompass the needs before the ask. And so, as I was thinking back this morning about what it is that that conversation that I had with Bobby over the summer reminded me of and, and how I should convey that this morning in, in light of the scripture. And, and the only thing that I could come back to was that we're called to let Christ shine in our actions. We're called to be the image bearers, the torch bearers of the gospel. Because if, if, if a God that loves me can send his son to die on the cross for my messes, then who am I to say I shouldn't be looking to share that with others? 
and whether that's in action, in prayer, in thought, my life should be a life that exemplifies him. And so this morning, as we close and as the band comes back up, um, I want to leave this encouragement. What I've seen in the two years that I've been on staff has been absolutely astounding. Because through all the hurt, through all the pain, through all the sicknesses, losses, we have a a body here that knows what it looks like to live out their faith. And so thank you. And, And I think we could all admit none of us are perfect in it, but we don't have to be. We just have to be willing to be obedient in it. So let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you that, um, that you provide opportunities in our life where we can come face to face with you. And Father, we ask that as we leave here today, Lord, that, um, that we can remember that, that we're called to be image bearers. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for loving us so much that you sent him to die a horrific death so that we could have an eternal relationship with you. And Father, if there's anyone in here that doesn't understand that or know that or wants to know about what that means, Lord, I pray that that they just Father, you are so good in all things, even when we fail. And for that, Lord, we rejoice in in your grace and your mercy. And we thank you for the day. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And it's in Christ's name we pray.